Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for a new year brimming with new possibilities. As of this recording, I am 208 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, shout out to you on that uh, 208 days of sobriety. That's awesome. Oh, thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Love to. So my name is Danielle and I am uh, in recovery. I'm an alcoholic, very happy and grateful one. My sobriety date is February 10th, 2018. So I am just coming up on my four years of sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like? Yes. Wow. So when I tell some parts of my story, people can usually ask me like, wow, how did you do that? Or how did you do this? And I didn't have a court order or anything, but I did hit a very rough patch. For me, alcohol is the majority of my story, but pieces of it do are sprinkled with some meth and some pills. But about four years ago, I hit a really rock bottom. Um, I was going through a really bad uh, relationship. I was drinking a handle of vodka every day uh, for four years straight, right before I got sober. And uh, right before I decided to give all of that up, I had, you know, um, some friends who were planning an intervention behind my back. And Thankfully, I was not, I was able to get my shit together, go to rehab. So I didn't have to put that burden on them. I find that I was one of those people who tended to isolate during my addiction. At the very end of that, I wasn't drinking with friends or out at the bars or partying. I was literally drinking handles of vodka by myself in my car, in my closet, hiding bottles for myself. And you know, when I got sober, I talked to a lot of, you know, shared about this in meetings. And I thought I was the only one doing that. Like who hides bottles from themselves? I'm like, I had literally Steve, a collection of like empty new Amsterdam was like my thing. Not even anything fancy. Okay. The cheap shit. I had bottles of that, of those just scattered around. And I knew that I always wanted to keep at least a very small bottle underneath like my pillow and whatnot. Because for me, the end was no longer drinking to have fun. It was drinking to be functional, if that makes sense. I had a job. I went to work every day, believe it or not. I was drinking and driving with my children in the car, with other people's children. And by the grace of God, I never got into any type of accident or had a DUI, went to jail. I don't have that experience in my story. 
my story was really a lot of isolation. It was just icky feelings that I kept to myself. And when I decided to go ahead and take that that step, I had a very dear friend of mine say a prayer with me. This was a few days leading up to when I decided to go to rehab. And she said a prayer with me, which I will be honest, I don't remember the words because I was heavily drunk. Mm -hmm. But um, what I do remember is that after she prayed with me, a course of events uh, started to occur. I went to church with a friend, talked to a pastor, it was very strange. And then I called my stepmom, who is in an N.A., and a recovering a cocaine uh, addict. And she worked at a center and she got me into a center. And she told me, if I do all these things, give me a list, Steve, like legit, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and, and follow every single thing. And if you don't want to, and she told me, go to rehab drunk as hell. She's like, get it all out of your system. Now I'm like, you go to rehab uh, drunk. And she said, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. So I drank the next couple of days all the way up until my, I got on that plane. And while I was on that plane to rehab, I'm from Las Vegas and I went to Chandler, Arizona. And while I was on that plane, I had my last drink. And I remember what it was. It was four mini bottles of Tito. And the lady on the plane was like, well, would you like some orange juice or something with that, man? No. <laughs> I'm one of those people was like straight up no chaser, right? Like I don't, I don't need to mix my drinks. No. And that was my last drink. And I will be so forever grateful for the people that came in my during that time. I went to rehab. I spent about three and a half weeks there. My stepmom told me to get in a IOP program after I got out of there, go into sober living, which I did willingly decided to. I had a place to live. I had my stuff in storage. I, it wasn't anything that I was forced to do. And one of my my biggest memories and some of the friendships that I have to this day are the people that I met in sobriety and in sober living. It was the most beautiful thing. And I put myself there for about five or six months, got myself a sponsor. And I would say for me, what really made sobriety beautiful for me today, and really when I started like really appreciating it, was when I started sponsoring other women. That's really when sobriety really um, was really important to me. It wasn't just, okay, no longer drinking and drugging, right? It was, how can I help the next person, the next person, the next person? So to me, it's uh, my sobriety today is all about service. And I'm really grateful for where I'm at today. I really am. Excellent. Yes. What an inspiration. Now, imagine for a moment that you came to face to face with your past self when you were in that active addiction and drinking. What would you tell yourself in the past with what you know now? Honey, this is only temporary. Don't hide. Don't be afraid. There's someone who's going through what you're going through and what your struggle that you think is really bad today is going to help someone later. I promise you. That's what I would have told my past self. Yeah, that's powerful. That's something I think that we all need to hear sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I would say to her. Get up, go share your story, get out of your head. You're not alone. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. And being an LGBT plus podcast, as well as a recovery woman, how would you say your sexuality played a role in your addiction and then your recovery? I love this question. And I'm so glad that I got to be a part of your podcast about this, because I feel like 
to be honest, alcoholism in the black community is very quiet. There's not a lot of awareness there, number one. And number two, being a lesbian with that same addiction. It's just, we are, we are a very small group, but I just feel like the, the awareness is not there. And for me, that is a whole part of why what I learned about myself when I got sober, it was, I was so sheltered growing to not be who I thought I should be right. I needed to be someone that my parents, the way I was raised said I had to be and feel this way, because if you feel another way, it's wrong. And I always knew in my heart about my sexuality. Obviously I have three children. I was with a man and, you know, and when I decided, I think I was 30 years old, that this wasn't my way, those things and expressing myself that was for things that were hidden for so long. I think had a lot to contribute to my addiction because I was hiding who I was really. I was afraid. I was ashamed. And what we do as alcoholics or addicts is <laughs> you become in love with that addiction, right? My love was, you know, I want to avoid, avoid any type of feelings. I want to avoid talking about what I am, who I am, what I like and all of that. And I feel like that was a huge piece in getting sober was not just stopping the drink or drug. It was finding who I am, learning me all over again. And Steve, I was 40 when I did this. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was 40. So part of that process was loving me for who the fuck I am, who I am. And um, I became more in tune with who, what I love, what I like. I also became in tune with being okay and accepting myself for who I am. And that was not easy. I had a lot of, you know, comments and shunning from family and friends for a while when I came out. And um, when I decided to get sober, some parts of my story um, include my first relationship in sobriety with my girlfriend, who was uh, also the cause of almost a near relapse for me two years ago, but I didn't. I wrote a book instead and I'm back with her today, you know, and now. I just feel like the awareness in that in the LGBT community about us and struggling with addiction needs to be talked about way more than it does now. Okay. It really does because hiding and isolating and being afraid just to be who we are in this world that we're in today is hard enough. Then add addiction on top of that, you know, and we're afraid we don't want to speak up. We're afraid, you know, what people are going to think of us and we should be screaming from the mountaintops, like literally is why I do it. Those experiences to make sure that people know we are not alone. And this community is awesome. The community that I have found online, the sober and gay community I found online. I haven't even met these people in real life. And these are relationships that I have with people that are cherished to me more than some family I have. I mean, legit. So I'm glad that you, you know, you asked me to be a part of this. And I just feel like it's just one step closer, right? We always get these little steps, one step closer to bringing awareness, one step closer to helping another person and giving hope to somebody who needs to hear it. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I mean, that's such a huge reason as to why I do this podcast is like boiling down to that question. Like everything else before and after is to get to know you better because like every story is different and everyone finds solace and, you know, identifying with other people. But I know when I got sober, just like you mentioned, the sober gay community was such a huge part of it. It's such a beautiful thing, but it's something you have to look for and search for because it doesn't, you know, you don't hear about it, especially when you're in your active addiction. 
like when in my active addiction, if I went on a date with someone and they were like, no, I don't drink, I would have been like, what's wrong with you? Like every gay person drinks like a fish. So true. So, so true. And when you said look and, and we had to look, that was what I did. Steve, two years ago in the pandemic, I had time and mm-hmm. nothing but time. Right. That was the time I wrote my book. That was the time that I was searching, you know, Instagram to find these different communities because I, I am in a AA community here and locally where I live and I'm very involved. However, that was just wasn't enough for me because I always felt like there was a piece missing. Right. Most of the people in AA or at least in my community were straight, but I was missing that piece. Like there's something missing. And I found a lot of groups online, you know, sober queers, sober, you know, how they identify themselves in our community. And I started joining those groups. And that was what filled that missing piece for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you've mentioned your book, The Gift is in My Wounds. What prompted you to write about your experience and what was that like? So two years ago, one of the things I wrote in my book is, uh, you know, the first, like that pink cloud that they all say, you know, it's so much fun. I'm doing great. I got sober and life is awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. And then some of the things they don't tell you about getting sober is how to deal with trauma. How do you deal with when shit really happens and you can't numb yourself? Mm-hmm. So two years ago, that's what happened to me. I, I went through a breakup and it was my first relationship in sobriety, which I got into in early sobriety, like six months in. <laughs> and we broke up and I lost myself, Steve. I lost myself. I began to do some of the stuff I mentioned earlier, start isolating, not going to meetings, not, you know, not talking and all of that. And I was this close to a relapse. And I sat in my living room and I was like, it was like, you know how when you cry so much that you just don't have any tears left and your head is hurting and pounding. And I, I put my hands up and I was just like, God, tell me, I don't know what to do. I don't like feeling like this. I'm sick to my stomach. I can't avoid any of these feelings. I have to feel through every single piece. What do I do? And a little voice in my head said, right. And I said, of course, I talked back. I said, right, what? Mm-hmm. And the title of my book just came up in my mind, like legit during this moment. And I began on a quest for self-love. I knew that this, this, this void and that feeling of emptiness was not going to come from her and wasn't going to come from anyone else. And I just started reading books, self-love, um, what to do, get out of my head, do this and that. And I said, wait a minute, I'm going to write my own book. So I got out these little postcards and I just started writing chapter titles. I had no idea what I was going to write yet. And I said, well, I want to, I don't want to wait for a publisher or any of that. I want to tell my story. I want to tell it now. And I want to say it in my own words. And I went and started re- doing research and I found that you could publish your own book, self-publish your book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I just went on there, signed up an account and started writing my story. And it took me about six months to write it during the pandemic. And I launched that book in August of 2019. And I published that book and I wrote everything about my self-love journey and how I got through almost near relapse. And I talked about my sobriety journey and how I got here. And I said it in very raw and uncut um, and very honest and authentically. And that wasn't easy to put my life on paper for strangers to read. But I honestly, like I told you, feel like once I wrote my story, it was no longer mine. My story is for the woman in the closet. My story is for the woman in her car who doesn't want to get out to go to an event 
and rather sit in her car and drink bottle. My story is for the guy who might be ashamed to say, you know, I'm hurting. That's what I did. Why I wrote that book. And it's very, it's a passionate thing to me where it makes me get like choked up to talk about sometimes, but I really do believe that once I wrote it, it wasn't for me anymore. And I didn't write it to make money at first because that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to just get my story out um, to hopefully help someone else. And uh, it's been on Amazon now for a little over, you know, a year-ish. And I find that my passion is writing. My passion is giving back. And I don't think I would have went through that process if I didn't get sober. That makes any sense. Like I had to go through all of those ugly, shitty experiences and think that my life was worth nothing to be where I'm at today. And I don't regret any piece of that. It's part of my journey, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm, I'm really happy to say that I could look back and say, I made it. And I could say to someone else today, you can too. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> and I'm going to be releasing this right around the new year where a lot of people are testing or dipping their toes into sobriety. If you can give one piece of advice to someone who is sober, curious, or newly sober, what would that be? Give yourself grace. Be open-minded. Is my best piece of advice because I was told so many times by other people, oh, you should and do this. And I was kind of curious and I was like, ah, you know, and the best piece of advice my sponsor and some other ladies told me was to be open-minded. Even if you don't believe, even if you don't want to, you know, just be open-minded and give yourself grace. And when I say that is because we, we are so hard on ourselves. We are our worst critics. Um, and this, if you decide that you want to take this fixed step, you know, give yourself grace. Don't do it on anyone else's time, you know, but be open-minded because you never know what you're going to hear or what you may be inspired by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And what are some things that you do in your daily life to help keep yourself sober? Gratitude every morning, gratitude. Um, meditation, I need to be a little bit more active in doing, but I do try to make time each day to reflect. I write in a journal, but gratitude is a big, big deal. uh, A big part of my daily practice. I I am always reaching out to other women. Like I said, I'm very active in the AA community. So I sponsor other women. I go to my meetings, you know, regularly during the week, but I am also being of service outside of AA. That's, that's the biggest piece of a sobriety. I don't know how many people have came up to me that are not part of this, you know, who have been sober curious or asked me how I was able to do this. So it's this being of service every single day, no matter if I'm at a meeting or because that's really what it's about. How can I be, how can I be sober in real life? You know? Yeah. So that's what I do. That is great. And as recovering addicts, we really love our steps, traditions, and our sayings. What's been your favorite mantra or quote that you like to live by? Two of them. One, the serenity prayer, which, you know, everyone knows that. Number two is, and there's so many of them, but the other one that strikes out to me would be one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, you know, oh, that all day. Yeah. It's one day at a time. And literally that's what got me through in the first like 30, 60, 90 days for me was just not next week, not next month, not tomorrow, Danielle, today and only today. I'm going to live in today. And that's really what helped me. Honestly, it's, they say those cheesy cliches, but 
one day at a time literally saved my life because you tend to want to just be so busy in life and rushing through things that you, you don't stop to enjoy either the moment or just focus on the day. Yeah, no, those are two classic ones for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, in addition to being an author, you also offer intuitive readings. That piqued my curiosity. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that's like? Yes. Yeah, so I have learned that I have gifts and uh, did not know this until this process about two years ago when I wrote this book and this journey I was on, you know, looking for ways to connect with myself. So I got into like tarot cards, oracle cards, crystals, and was doing mostly just daily reflection readings for myself until I started doing readings for friends and realized I had gifts that didn't know I had. I mean, my whole life didn't know. And that practice became, and those gifts became stronger over the last couple of years that now I am giving regularly, regular readings to friends, to others. I'm offering those services and it's more for me to where it's, I want people to find ways to heal themselves. It's not me like saying you should do this or do that. It's showing people what I was shown on how to heal yourself. And those gifts, like I said, came once I got sober. And interestingly enough, um, my mind was clear. I have clarity today and the ways that I learned to heal myself through that self-love journey and not relapsing. I felt like it was important for me to pass along. So those intuitive readings that I offer today, like I said, were gifts I just stumbled upon a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that, that's amazing that you say that it kind of coincided with your recovery. Cause I have a friend who has the similar gifts that was just over earlier today. And she's like, you know, since you've gotten sober, she's like, I sense something in you like that. You have similar gifts that you just haven't found yet. But I was like, I never would have even been open to the idea of like that, like had I not been sober. And, you know, I I've certainly found, you know, as I'm coming to understand like what my higher power, my relationship with that's like, that it is, more, you know, more spiritual, but like, I'm, you know, I have the crystals, I have the amethyst and, you know, I do all of that. So I definitely can see how that can help someone in recovery as well. Getting an intuitive reading. Yeah. The spirituality, you hit it on the, on the, on the mark right there is I didn't have a relationship with. It was more my relationship with God in the past was more religion and forced. Today, my relationship with my higher power is connection and love through a variety of what I call my team. You know, I got a spirit team, you know, and uh, God looks beautiful today and it's not through religion. And that's different for me today. And I think that's what where I found like, you know, those gifts came from of the result of connecting. Yes. I love that. And Mm -hmm. I've loved chatting with you, Danielle. It's been such a pleasure. How can listeners find you and your work? Yes. So I'm on my, I am active on Instagram. You can follow me at Daisy underscore soul child on Instagram. Also on Instagram in my profile is a link to my book, which is available on Amazon in either a paperback or on the Kindle version, which you can, you know, access from my profile. Excellent. I'll be sure to link those over into the show notes so that listeners can just kind of swipe up and click on over. Yes. And I thank you so much for sharing space with me, Steve. This is awesome. I hope that you keep doing what you're doing. I certainly will. And thank you listeners for listening. Please make sure you rate and review if you've found this information. If you're interested in sharing your story, getting involved with the show, or just saying hi, I love hearing from you all. You can email me anytime at gayapodcast.com at gmail.com. 
And follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday. And until next time, stay sober, friends.